0: That we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom. So check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G E T P U R O A I R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tecovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com and point your toes west.
1: And what I always say to kids and I'll say to your listeners is we want to be running our devices. We never want them to be running us. So whenever it's making your life better, it's a win. If it's making your life worse, turn it off, put it away, take a break.
0: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. With social media and constant connection, the boundaries of privacy for children are stretched thin. On today's episode, author Devorah Heitner joins me to discuss how we can help our children navigate growing up in a world where nearly every moment of their lives can be shared and compared. Devorah is a PhD who studied media, technology, and society at Northwestern University. She works with communities, schools, and companies to raise tech-savvy children. She is the author of the best-selling book, Screenwise, Helping Kids Thrive and Survive in Their Digital World and is joining the show to offer practical advice to parents on how to help tweens and teens navigate boundaries, identity, privacy, and reputation in their digital world. I want to share a quick minimalist moment, or I guess it's more of a minimalist tip with you before we get to the episode. I have been thinking a lot about our time in nature recently. For those of you that have been around here long enough, you know how important it is to me to get myself outside, to get my kids outside. I really subscribe to the notion there's no such thing as bad weather. But I think for a lot of us, when we think about nature, we think about metro parks or national parks or the ocean, I want to suggest to you that we don't have to think of nature as a venture into the woods or an overnight camp out. We're really just looking for a daily connection. That could be something as simple as in the spring, looking at the flowers or gazing up at the stars in the sky. As it rains, playing in a small puddle of water captured by a tree trunk. I love just sitting on the back porch, looking at my garden or taking a walk around the neighborhood. We have to figure out how to optimize the experience right where we are especially for those of us that live in a more urban area. Don't overcomplicate this process. It really is so simple and beneficial. Lastly, I want to recommend the book The Nature Fix by Florence Williams. I believe it's been a resource in the past, but I just wanted to mention it once again. So this book is an investigation into nature's restorative benefits. She goes into the research behind the powers of the natural world to not only improve our health, but to ultimately strengthen our relationships with one another. So that's The Nature Fix by Florence Williams. And again, don't overcomplicate getting into nature. Okay, let's get into this conversation with Devora. It's funny, before you and I connected, I'd absolutely heard of your book, Screenwise. And hold on, I wrote down the what is Screenwise? Helping Kids Survive and Thrive in Their Digital World. So it was on my list, my Amazon list of books. Oh, nice. And I don't buy a lot of books. I'm a minimalist. So I do buy fiction books that seem worthwhile. So I was really happy for you and I to connect because I wanted to talk about this.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I have a new book coming out this year and a new edition of ScreenWise. But I was going to say, as a minimalist, I would understand if you took it out of the library. (laughs) Yes, yes.
0: Honestly though, with nonfiction, those are the only ones I'm typically willing to buy because Yeah, it's it is so nice bad. to have to
1: refer. And the other thing you can always do is pass it on to another mom, right? You can always put it in your little free library or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. No. And I love that idea as well. So okay, I am talking to Devorah. Did I say your name right? Yes. Devorah okay. Heitner. Yes. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? I'm curious what prompted you to start writing about this topic? What, what was your motivation there?
1: Sure. So I'm Devorah Heitner. I wrote ScreenWise, helping kids thrive and survive in their digital world. And I've just finished a new book that will be out later this year called Growing Up in Public, Coming of Age in a Digital World. And I got excited about this topic even before I had kids. I was actually researching kids and media, and I wrote my master's paper on Sesame Street. And then I was teaching college students, 18 to 22 year olds, so like emerging adults, in the early years of social media, like around 2008, 2009, into like 2012. And they had all grown up with MySpace and were in early Facebook. And I taught a class called Kids Media Culture, where they were interviewing nine year olds, third graders, about their digital lives. And they were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what they can see on the internet. And this was, you know, in 2010, 18 year old saying this about nine year olds who could have been their siblings. And I just realized, well, this is moving really fast. And I had my son in 2009 and a lot of my friends had the same kinds of questions that we all grapple with, you know, what should we share about our kids? Should I be buying a website with my kid's name? Like, is digital something we should avoid and be afraid of? And screen time is bad, or should we embrace it and teach our kids how to touch type before they're too? So, we were all kind of grappling with these questions. And I started speaking at schools, helping parents just understand what the research really said about kids and tech, because there was so much misinformation and fear. And then I realized I need to write a book. So, actually, I wrote a workbook with a kind of a curriculum with a school counselor at a school that I had done a lot of work with. And then I ended up writing screen-wise just to speak into that space of fear, you know, to help parents like, what can I do with social media or gaming or all these questions? And I've just written a second edition, sort of a post-pandemic version because I think a lot of the things that were like, maybe your kid will have one-to-one at school are now like your kid has one-to-one at school. And these are some things you'll want to do to support that.
0: Yes, it is absolutely overwhelming to me because I look back to mistakes I made in high school. And fortunately, I didn't have the ability to make those mistakes. St- mistakes publicly. And so often kids are doing that these days. They're saying things that they haven't fully thought through their brains aren't developed. And so they don't recognize that these things are living on forever. And I think that's, what's most concerning to me is that our non-developed brains are typing these things out Not not ours, but teenagers, and they have to face the consequences for that. And it just sometimes the condemnation seems really tough and horrible. And I don't ever want that for my kids. So I guess I don't really have a question, but I'm sure that you were seeing this. And this is that
1: that worry is exactly why I wrote growing up in public. It's this idea. I mean, I wrote about reputation and screen wise and privacy, but even, you know, growing up in public is exactly a response to parents who said, oh, my goodness, if my high school or even college years or certainly middle school was shared publicly in a transcript of every dumb idea I had and every thought that passed my brain was public, This would be that would be really embarrassing and problematic. And we see how harsh the condemnation is. Kids can definitely get canceled for saying the wrong thing. And we need to help kids. And I think we need to work on the culture and work on the culture to be less condemning and more supportive of kids. Not that if they say harmful things, we just give them a free pass, but that we help them develop and move forward. And in the UK and Europe, there's the right to be forgotten before 18. And we should be as parents, if we're in the US, like fighting for similar rights for our kids to have some kind of ability to have a digital eraser. I mean, that said, even in those places, if you do something really notorious, it's going to be pretty hard to move forward. And I think we do need to look at kids differently than adults. If a kid says something really harmful, we need to look at where they got that idea from and how they can move forward from it and we also need to help parents who might be like i can't believe this kid said this realize that their kid might have said something really similar but just didn't get caught and it didn't get amplified so i think a lot of parents are like oh those other kids are so wrong and bad and they don't recognize that most kids probably have said something you know unkind to a peer or maybe something not nice about a teacher the kind of thing we might have said on the school bus or walking home from school but if they, they say it in a digital space, it can be public and permanent in the in the worst case scenario. And that's really alarming for parents. So I, I do empathize with that. And I think there are ways we can help our kids navigate that reality.
0: One of my questions I had as a broad question is how can parents become screen wise? I guess what is your encouragement to become screen wise?
1: I think parents can become screen-wise by actually trusting that you do have knowledge that's relevant to your digital kid, even though you probably didn't grow up with these tools, trusting that you know what it feels like to be left out and you know what it feels like to be talked about or to watch your friends talk in a negative way about someone else. You know what it feels like to feel like someone has taken a picture of you and it does not look flattering. So I think a lot of our kids' experiences we can empathize with, even though we didn't grow up with these experiences in, in this exact same space. And we can take our social wisdom and experience and help our kids navigate some of these things, even though they're playing out in a new sandbox, so to speak. And we can also get really curious and let our kids teach us. So we don't have to be the experts on Snapchat or Minecraft. We can let our kids teach us about their experiences in the app. And the things that they tell us about the ways they interact, for example, with other kids in these spaces are big clues to us about their social skills, where they might need support, what's frustrating to them. And it also helps us understand what makes them tick, what they love. If your kid is watching baking shows on YouTube, then maybe get them some baking equipment and let them start making some cupcakes and soufflés. Like we want to also help take our kids' screen interests and pull them into some real life interests and skills.
0: If you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as lime margarita and grapefruit paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at takearecess.com minimalist. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at slash minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand, and that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. So the other driving force here though, are peers. So we have our kids, we can try and do our best with them, but the peer element, the peer pressure and, or just going to sleepovers again, as a kid, I don't necessarily want everything that, uh. I participated in, I wasn't some horrible kid. (laughs) Let's just be clear, but just the silly mistakes. You don't want those things out there. And I feel like the peer pressure or if they're seeing things on friends' phones, I guess how much monitoring is too much monitoring when they are independent enough to go to sleepovers? Well, I think parents
1: shouldn't fool ourselves that we really want to mentor more than we monitor because it's so much more effective. We want to teach our kids to do the right thing more than we want to catch them doing the wrong thing or messing up. That said, some supervision at something like a sleepover is a good idea because when kids are up late, the disinhibition kicks in and behind a screen, the disinhibition kicks in too. And that might mean that a really nice kid who would never say something mean about anybody might at 2 a.m. with everyone around Say something that's not very nice and so and get recorded saying it potentially or say it in a FaceTime with other kids that like weren't invited to the sleepover. So I do think sleepovers in particular are a great time to unplug kids and let kids know, hey, we're all unplugging. We don't want kids getting taped while they sleep. We don't want kids to feel excluded. We don't want any kid who came without his or her phone to feel bad. So you know, if you need your phone in the middle of the night, come wake me up. You can call your parents. Like I, you know, cause kids are also, that phone is like the digital umbilical cord to mom and dad at home. And especially in the wake of this pandemic where I think our kids are so kind of cozy with us, maybe in a developmentally unusual way. Like my eighth grader has been home a lot more than he would have been if there hadn't been a three-year pandemic. Right. And so I think they're out of, they're rusty on independence and that's why they want their phone. And it's also a social crutch. If things get awkward, they can scroll it. So giving them something else to do, even if it's a plugged in thing, like I don't think it's bad if they're up late watching a movie, for example, or playing a video game. I just don't want them connecting with one another or connecting with kids outside of the space they're in, nor do I want them videotaping what's going on with one another and, or You know, reaching out and letting kids know who weren't invited. Like, those are the things I wouldn't want. It's not necessarily that I believe that your 14 year old on a sleepover needs to be only playing with organic blocks, you know, and like, or building with Lego. Like, that might not be realistic, but I'd rather they stay up all night playing a video game, even or just talking versus being connected with other kids in ways that could be harmful.
0: I look to the past and desire more of a, I don't know. It's not a slow approach. I just, I was in high school when Zanga, I don't know if you know of Zanga, but that was towards the end of my high school career is when Zanga was a thing. So that was my first access to social media, quote unquote. And I kind of want to go back to those days because of, again, the access to one another is just 24 seven. However, part of me is like, do I just accept that this is, the world that's happening or do I try and put my old school ways on my kid? What are your thoughts about that?
1: I think we want to learn from them about what's fun about connecting in these new ways. And we want to benefit from things like board games and family hikes and all the stuff, including sometimes making our kids unplug and doing other things, but it's helpful if they can predict that. Like my kid's really into a very epic video game right now that takes a long time to play. So we really plan when does he have that kind of time? And it might be that some days he doesn't have any time because he's got too much homework, he's got taekwondo, he's got a million things going on. And other times our family has stuff. Like if we're going to see Grammy in half an hour, like don't get into your super epic game. Like that's a good time to do something else. So planning, and for younger kids, that could be a visual schedule, which is really great. So they see what's coming next. A lot of kids will struggle with transitions, and especially if they have too long on on screen. So like a younger kid, maybe they could watch three shows on a weekend day, but maybe not three in a row, because if they do three in a row, you might have a monster on your hands. But it might be they could get a Wild in the morning and another one later and another one later on, you know, as like three breaks that you need, frankly, as a parent. And that's a completely legitimate reason especially with little kids to plug them into something. I just think wow. it probably shouldn't be like a Wild West app like YouTube. Mm-hmm. Ideally if your little kid needs to be kept busy so you can function and get something important done, ideally maybe it's something where you know what they're doing. So maybe it's, you know, an, a show on Netflix or Hulu which is at least a walled garden like you know that content, you know what that show is going to bring your child versus yeah. YouTube where they could maybe find something that's not great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Going back again to the privacy element that kids are much more, I'm much more private than I would say a Gen Z is right now with what I would want to share on the internet. I'm not going to share nearly as much about my life, but they feel very open doing so. How would you encourage me as a parent to say, this is okay, this is a part of this new world versus like, no, there are some things that should be kept private.
1: I think we need to teach kids the importance of consent. And I would start by asking their permission before we share their picture or share stories about them. Or I just was writing about this in my newsletter. Like, these are some questions to ask yourself before you share about your kid. And it's like, what's your motivation? And can you meet that motivation another way? And did they have permission? So for older kids, have they said, yes, if it's a younger kid, can you imagine them cringing about this later as a teenager or a younger adult? And asking permission actually creates a really positive boundary where your kid knows they can say no to being shared. They know that that's something they should ask peers before they share about them. And then kids are also, I will say, rewriting the rules about what to share. A lot of things we were taught not to talk about, the sort of God, death, sex, money, you know, like they are talking about asking those really deep questions about life. And they're doing it in really interesting ways. And that does make us nervous as adults because we were kind of encouraged not to share about a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. But I think kids are playing a huge role in changing the culture around destigmatization of about things like mental health and wow. all kinds of stuff that I think in the long term is going to be really good. But I do think there's a little bit of generational pain and disconnect around that. And parents saying like, "Will you ever get a job if you share about being neurodiverse. And I think the answer is yes, because people their age will be hiring in those jobs. And they also grew up sharing about their neurodiversity on Discord. Um, But but it's understandable why parents would be nervous. And frankly, I don't think we should share a diagnosis about our kids without their consent. Like I wouldn't create that digital record about my kid, whether it's a diagnosis or something else personal about them. I do think it's okay for them to share about themselves. And it's okay to share with permission. Uh, But if in doubt, don't share it out.
0: No, I I think that's absolutely true. Again, going back to what we're sharing. So I'm a verbal processor. I feel like sometimes I even talk at people as I'm processing what I believe, and I won't even know necessarily what I believe or think to be true about something until I hear it. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, I don't agree with that. Oh, I process Mm -hmm. that differently, but I have to process that with someone. And usually I don't verbally process with someone that I don't necessarily trust, but I'm also very extroverted. So I might be doing that. So going back to things that kids are sharing, I I do want to protect, but I don't want them to necessarily be verbally processing these things they haven't fully thought through that could be really appalling thoughts. And again, those things sticking around forever. So yeah, again, it's just a tricky thing on how to navigate with our kids, giving them that freedom to be themselves and to process in a safe way environment. Maybe it's figure out who you trust. Also, in
1: order to create the culture we want to live in, we need to let our kids know, don't share your friend's video when they're drunk at a party or when they're just figuring something out. Or if you think it will hurt their reputation, frankly, like don't intentionally share stuff or amplify stuff from other people. When someone shares someone's private text message with something that doesn't look good on them, like choose better friends, but no, none of us should be doing that. Do you know what I mean? Like no matter what a friend says in a text message, like I might disagree with her, I might even be offended, but if I'm sharing that, I'm not a friend anymore. God is crossing a line.
0: Yeah. You know, and
1: I have, I have written to friends on things like Facebook, where they're maybe venting about their job and been like, you know, that post is on public. I'm a little nervous for you. Maybe take it down, but I don't say it on the page and draw more attention to it. That's when you call someone up and that's what a real friend does. And I think talking to kids about that, your kid could be the one on the group text writing to another kid and being like, that was kind of mean. Maybe you should retract that statement or take down that post.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the scary thing was, I don't know how big Snapchat still is, but that people thought that those snaps, you couldn't just screenshot or something that, oh, it's only going to be up for 24 hours. I think letting kids know if there's anything that would devastate you if it got out there, then
1: that shouldn't go in any digital space because anything could be hacked. You know, you could leave your phone at somebody's house and their dad could see it. Like, you know, the message I always want to give kids about explicit pictures and sexting is not like there's anything shameful about our bodies or desire or wanting someone to think you're really cute or having a crush. But we live in a world where A, it's criminalized. Like literally it's against the law to share, you know, explicit pictures of kids for good reasons. And B, it's just not safe. It can so easily get out of your control. So to have that conversation with kids and it always feels like, oh gosh, that's so, that's such an ick conversation. None of us want to go there. But, and a lot of kids will be like, that's so gross, mom. Why are you talking to me about this? But it's so important to let them know, like we live in a world where that's just not a safe way to express anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I could pick your brain for much, much longer, but I want to wrap things up. So do you have a final word of encouragement and then share where listeners can find you and a copy of your new book?
1: Awesome. A word of encouragement is you want to just get curious about your kids' experience with tech. And if you're feeling really brave, I think a great minimal thing to do actually would be to ask them if you have a tech habit that they want you to work on? What is something they've observed? And if you can all commit to like observing and changing one tech habit and really working together as a family, I think that can be a really beautiful thing if you're willing to look at your own tech life and maybe make one change for your kids. And I wouldn't do that at a time. I wouldn't ask at a time when conflict is high. I would ask when you're getting along well and you're just like out in the world, like, oh, I've been wanting to make some resolutions or changes around this. And a way that you can reach out to me is I'll give you a link for the show notes to my seven day reset. I have a seven day tech reset, which I think would be, again, very appealing to the minimal folks who are your people, um, because a lot of it is about how can we you know turn off the bings and tangs? How can we make tech less of a problem for us? And what I always say to kids and I'll say to your listeners is we want to be running our devices. We never want them to be running us So whenever it's making your life better, it's a win. If it's making your life worse, turn it off, put it away, take a break.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great word. So where can listeners connect with you if they want to do so and grab a copy of either ScreenWise or your new book? Sure,
1: DevoraHeitner.com and Growing Up in Public will be out a little later in the year. ScreenWise is available now and you can go to devoraheitner.com. You can also go to Amazon and I will share links to my Instagram and the seven day tech reset as well. And you can do that at any time. Like it could be fun to start the week or the new year with it, but you can do it anytime.
0: Awesome. Well, as we wrap things up here, I didn't prompt you, but I ask every guest two questions at the end. These are just fast answers. First one is what is a beneficial resource that you've had in your life that you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I mean, a beneficial resource, honestly, is the library. And I know that sounds so basic, but keeping books in our house and keeping that novelty coming in so that Hulu and Netflix and YouTube and TikTok aren't the only novelty in our lives. And they're actually a great source for information about apps for kids. So your local librarian may know more about apps than you think, especially the sort of education part of the app store, which is such a A wild west. I happen to be lucky enough to live right by my library. So I'm there all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love the library as well. It's a wonderful resource. All right. My last question for you is what is something you can't stop talking about? And this can be something silly, frivolous, something serious, whatever you can't stop talking about.
1: I can't stop talking about Trusted House Sitter because I'm obsessed with the idea of travel and taking care of pets everywhere and I just learned about this app. So I'm like and it's perfect escapism for me like having not traveled that much during the pandemic so I can't stop talking about
0: it. I have not heard of it. So it's an app where they come to Yeah. Your-
1: Yes. And I'm going to cat sit with my family in, in LA with it, but I I keep sending like the perfect cat or dog sits to friends in, in places I know they want to go. Cause I'm just like obsessing about travel and an affordable way to do it. Cause I'm a
0: minimalist. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're going to go be, the- I'm going to go
1: cat sit, but I'm also probably going to have someone cat sit here, but I haven't worked that out yet.
0: Oh, that's so cool. I love that. I will have to look into that.
1: Cool. Well, it is a you. very cool app. And I just learned about it two weeks ago from a friend and I've just been obsessed.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. The the innovation with apps is just remarkable. It's always it always uh I think that I can't be surprised any more than I have been and then it's like, "Oh, that's really cool." Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I am excited to fully read your book and I think this got my brain spinning with where I'm going to go next with my kids, so I appreciate it. Love it. Thank you. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation.